fast It's minus ten and counting Will our next choice be our last? Hey everybody, welcome back to Lost Transmissions. I'm here once again with our Master of Signals, Austin. Today we are going to be talking about leadership and special orders. Every ship has a leadership value, and this kind of represents the fact or the uh, efficiency with which one part of the ship tells another part of the ship what's going on, and that part of the ship tells the part of the ship again what to do. Um, remember that battleships and cruisers are huge, mile-long contraptions, and it's not just a straight hallway from the bridge down to the engine room. It's elevators and bilges and crew quarters. There's all kinds of things in the way, you know? Um, unlike an orc ship, the captain can't just poke his head out the hallway and yell down to the uh, engine room, hey, full speed ahead. He's got to use voxes and intership transmitters, and some Servo ships are better skulls. at this than others. Yeah, sometimes they literally do have runners, just dudes sprinting from the bridge down to the midships, handing off a letter to someone else, that dude just going as fast as he can down to the gun decks. Yeah, it's kind of like a Pony Express, but with people. Uh, yeah, it's a last and resort also the ponies sometimes explode or get sucked into the vacuum of space. There's also that. Yes. So leadership value represents how good a ship is at doing that. Um, and it also represents the actual training of the crew, right? Because you can have the best comms in the world, and if your gunnery officer doesn't know how to fire the guns, it will all just not work. Right? Mm -hmm. So more accurately, uh, a leadership value is a representation of how efficiently a ship runs. Mm -hmm. um, warships, cruisers, battleships, escorts, and such are able to roll for their leadership, kind of representing the gamut of uh, green officers and crewmen all the way up to hardened elite uh, sailors, whereas civilian ships that usually end up being transports or uh, planetary defenses just kind of get stuck with a universal leadership of six yeah, because they're that, bad at this. Yeah, that, that represents not only the fact that like it's a combat situation and civilians will freak out in a combat situation rather than, you know, steely-eyed continue the mission, but also that their stuff isn't as redundant, right? Like, if you're fighting the traitors and there's scrap code being pro projected all over the place. Imperial Navy, you know, you've got malware, you've got, you've got ad blocker, you'll be all right. Uh, meanwhile, on the civilian ship, their one email messaging service is suddenly flooded with penis enhancement uh, emails, <laughs> and they can't tell anybody what to do, right? Um and there's because there's just not a lot of redundancy in the civilian ships because they're made as cheaply as possible, and, and they're old. And I mean, these, old, these all of these ships are and old, not but civilian ships are like at. yeah, civilian ships are just as old. Yeah, without the maintenance, without the maintenance, without the redundancies, because a a navy ship, even modern navies today, you know, there'll be a dozen different ways that a captain can yell down to the engine room, right? You can lose six of those, nothing really changes. Um, civilian ships, though? No. And that's why they get stuck with the shitty leadership of six. And just like 40k, 30k, 
um, most of the older GW games. It's a 2d6 to make a leadership check, equal or under whatever your leadership value is. You pass. Great victory. Yep, but there are uh, there are some things that can modify that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like we talked about last episode, blast markers are one of the um, one of the more common ones. And like we said, these are big, huge clouds of fire and radiation and debris and energy output that can mess with uh, your targeting systems. Well, they can mess with your communication systems as well. Mm-hmm. Any ship that is touching a blast marker when it comes time to make a command check um, is at negative one. Now, we should note that in a lot of time, in a lot of games, command, leadership, morale, all of that is kind of lumped into the same thing. But in Battlefleet Gothic, command checks and leadership checks, though they use the same value, are two different checks. Yep, yep. There are some things that you know you're not really telling the crew to do so much as the captain himself or the bridge crew freaking out. Um. <laughs> So that's where there's the two different uh, things. Yep. Um, now, on the other hand, if one of your enemy's ships is under special orders, then that makes it a little easier for your crew to know what's going on, what they're doing. Um, if they see a huge spike in engine energy, well, they know that ship's going all ahead full. If maybe the engines die down a little, um, but the side... Uh, maneuvering jets kind of kind of start firing off well they know they're coming to a new heading they're coming around they're presenting a broadside prepare to brace for impact so it makes it easier for your crew uh, and to that end you get a plus one to your command check yeah and in game terms that can be interesting because a lot of games you know you want to go first you want that alpha strike you want to nail the other guy in battlefleet heresy sometimes you don't because the first person to go on orders, it's a little bit harder because you're not, you know, the other guy isn't on orders at the start of the game. And then the guy going second gets that little bump to leadership because, hey, you've already gone on orders. And there's a decent chance that his weapons have been ranged, too. Yeah. Yeah, you rarely yep. start the game with anything except your Nova Cannon, maybe, in range of the other guy, turn one. So it makes losing that role to go first a little less painful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but speaking of special orders, special well, orders. Hold on, hold on. We, uh, oh, yes. Um, so we've talked about orders for ships and how you kind of generate them randomly. It is pertinent at this point to say there are kind of three different pools that you roll to generate your leadership on, depending on who's in charge of the ship, right? If you're a crew of just bog standard mortals, uh, you roll a d6. On a one, congratulations, everybody is brand new, nobody knows what the hell they're doing, leadership six. Two to Yay. three, leadership seven, which, you know, 2d6, a seven, that'll get you there sometimes. Uh, then four to five, you're a veteran crew, you know what you're doing, you know, the officers and men have been on the ship for a while, they got their shit locked down, they're leadership eight. And then if you roll a six, miraculously, they're some of the finest soldiers and sailors in the fleet, and they have a leadership nine. Uh, Then you get to Space Marines. So if any of your ships are Legion ships, they'll be rolling on the Space Marine chart, uh, which is a little different. On a one to two, it's an eight. 
presumably it's one of those ships that still has a human majority bridge crew. That would be my guess. Uh, three to four, you get a nine. So already two-thirds of the Space Marine ships are equal to or better than the very best of the normal uh, armada. And then on a five to six, their leadership ten, which is just mind-bogglingly good, just as it is. You're looking at savant day. levels of uh, naval competence. Yeah, just not only is the captain a Space Marine and really good at it, but most of his junior officers, either space marines or, you know, the Lord High Nelson equivalent yeah. human. Uh, and they're all getting the job done. Uh, yeah, those guys are probably hardwired into their into their uh, stations. Yeah. And then there's Mechanicum. Which yeah, special Mechanicum does the same way. Um, with a little added bonus at the very end. If you roll a one, you get leadership seven. Now, it bears noting that Mechanicum ships are uh, skeleton crews compared to uh, Meteor ships. Uh, lots of their redundant officers and positions uh, are servitors, just bolted into the wall and jacked into the system. Uh, so the, f- the few remaining, like, kind of moving around, breathing, thinking crew are all tech priests um, who are naturally a little better at running things than not so one is leadership seven already you're like austin said doing better than most mortals uh, on a two to three you get uh, leadership eight and on a four to six you get leadership nine so the mechanicum is better than mortals in most cases but still never as good as space marines yeah, they, they kind of just miss the untried, not really good at this level of leadership. Probably, like you said, they're all tech priests. They're on a large ship. If you like are in the Mechanicum and wind up in a position that you have a major role in such a huge piece of machinery, you're not like bad at your job. Yeah, you're a big <laughs> deal. Um, it bears noting, 4 to 6 is that leadership 9. So there's a 50-50 chance anytime you roll leadership that you're going to get your highest value. Yeah, which is really so, nice. Because in the one-off, in yeah. the one-off games, you're rolling, theoretically, every time you play a one-off game, you roll leadership randomly for all of your ships. Um, and then in a campaign, you'll roll once when the ship is added to your fleet. And uh, it can gain or lose experience depending on how well or badly it does. Um, like if it's yep. crippled, that means you know it's just taken so many losses, either in equipment or more likely trained crew. Leadership goes down one, and uh, as it survives and does good stuff, the crew will get more experience, which is exciting. Um, yep. Um, and the mechanicum, honestly, like I said, get a little uh, bonus if you roll a six when you're generating your leadership. Then you get to choose, rather than a roll, on the Gifts of the Mechanicum, or rather, originally it's called Gifts of the Mechanicus uh, table, which is just a series of neat upgrades that Mechanicum ships get. Not necessarily for free, but it feels like for free. Um, The cost of the roll is incorporated into their points value, which generally equates to about mm, 20 to 30 points more expensive than their Imperial and Chaos counterparts. And almost always worth it. And almost always worth it. Yeah. Uh, normally you roll on that, but if you roll a six when generating your leadership, the captain of that ship is obviously a high-ranking 
uh, Magos, probably an Arc Magos, and just gets to pick because he's influential. Yep, and we'll we'll talk about Mechanicus and all the individual fleets. A little at, later, at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah. Beware, Mechanicum cheats. Oh. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Dumb robots. Mm. Mm. Who's writing these rules? Mm. Um, Certainly not a uh, Mechanicum veteran. Right. Um, So now we'll talk about what really makes Battlefleet Heresy and Battlefleet Gothic unique. Um, The special orders. Mm -hmm. If you've played Apocalypse, the Apocalypse... Or Titanicus. Or Titanicus. Yeah, actually, Titanicus is is a better analogy. Because no one's played Apocalypse in the past ten years. It's true. Well, there was that new Apocalypse that was exciting. But then the pandemic happened. Womp womp. Womp womp. Yep, yeah, you know where they can't get us? In space. Can't get a can't get a horrible space disease or yeah, earth disease if you're in space. Ships. Oops. Um but yeah, so these are very similar to the Titanicus rule orders because hey, guess what? They're all GW specialist games. Yep. We um, even use the dice interchangeably. Yeah, you actually can use the dice for for either system. So what these are is a ship kind of forcing power to a specific system, right? Um, Or crew being kind of shunted from whatever their normal job is to this new thing to try and get uh, better performance and normal out of the vessel. Uh, The first one of these is all ahead full, which, like you'd imagine, makes you go fast. real exciting Uh, but it's random and this is also the only order that you execute instantly so how it goes is turn right the very first thing you do in your turn is issue orders to all your ships right Mm -hmm. this is the command phase or the orders phase yeah um and then you go into movement and ordinance and all the shooting and all the rest of it uh and normally Orders affect a specific thing done at a specific time, except for all ahead full, because you're just shoveling that nuclear coal into the furnaces and you dash forward. So you gain an extra 46 centimeters of movement. So it's random. Um, for an escort squadron, the whole squadron will pass orders, you know, all together, one check. Uh, the same thing with squadrons of capital ships, except that if they get all ahead full, they each roll different, separately, which can be a problematic because, you know, one of them could go an extra four centimeters and the other could go an extra 24 centimeters. And suddenly your squadron is way the hell out of position. But these are the risks. Some you people take. are just real excited, right? These are the risks you take. So you go an extra 46 and there are some ships uh, that can't do it. Some ships that are really good at it, like light cruisers, a lot of the time will go 5d6 instead of 4d6, which is very fun. Yep. Um, uh, Dauntless can do it. Uh, the Avenger class Grand Cruiser can do it instantly, inst- interestingly enough. And the infamous Slaughter class uh, Chaos Cruiser can do um, it. But we'll get to those later. certain. Especially like the civilian ships will only go 3d6 because their engines just aren't made for it. And it's yep. sad. Orcs, too. Fun fact. It's because they're always wanting to go fast. Yep. Orcs will always pass all ahead full. 
but they will only ever go 3d6. They do the best they can with the gifts Gork and Wormwork gives them. Yep. Uh, there is... So, the downside of this order, and most of the special orders, is that, again, you're shunting that power into the engines. The guy that was hauling on the giant chain to move macro cannon is now shoveling coal into your friggin' furnaces. So, all of your weapons are half affected this. So if you've got ten weapons batteries, congratulations, you now have five. Two lances, you now have one. Uh, it does round up, though, so three lances would only drop to two. Something to think about. <laughs> Stupid uh, cheating dauntless. You also can't turn uh, while moving under this order, presumably because all of the fun jets that shoot sideways have now been, you know, that energy is rerouted to go backwards. And there's mm-hmm. one other fun thing about all the head full. All ahead full is ramming speed. Mm, sweet, sweet ramming. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of ramming, like how that actually works. We'll go in it later. But it's exactly what it sounds like. It's your ship trying to slam into another ship and break it in half. Um, of course, ramming is... So ramming, you go all ahead full, and then there's another leadership check to see if you can actually hit the other ship. Because again, you're hundreds of thousands of kilometers apart at close range, and you're trying to hit you know, a moving target that's only like a mile long. It's difficult. Um, so it's a 2d6 leadership check. If the ship is the same size as the one you're trying to hit, uh, you roll 3d6 if you're trying to hit something smaller than you, or 1d6 if you're trying to hit something bigger. Fun facts, fun facts. Yep. Um, and we'll, again, we'll get into the details of that, um, I don't know, probably next episode, episode after that. Who knows? It's a mystery. Uh, I don't know what we're doing. Fuck, I barely know what day it is. Yep. Um, anyway. There's... There's a, yeah, one other thing for all ahead full, too, is um, when you're going super fast and you're not really able to divert power into your maneuvering jets or, you know, maybe you've got blast shutters down so that the extra velocity doesn't uh, send rocks through your windows. Well, speaking of rocks, if you fly into an asteroid field at all ahead full, it is that much harder to avoid getting smashed into a tiny tin can by planet-sized rocks. Do not all ahead full through an asteroid field. We have all seen Empire Strikes Back. You know how that do. Yep. Yep. Uh, normally, to nav- it's a yet another different name, uh, a navigation check, which still uses your leadership value. 2d6, if you pass, uh, you fly through the asteroids and you don't get destroyed by them. If you fail, then you just take d6 hits. Just... Rocks fall, everyone dies. dies. It's real sad. Yeah, They will absorb your shield, so if you're a healthy ship, and even at worst case scenario, you only lose four hull points. Only, I say. But it's still gonna hurt. If you all ahead full into an asteroid field, um, I don't remember if it's you roll an extra d6 and you take the two worst, or you have to re-roll successful ones. I think it's take take 3d6 and take the worst. I'm not, yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but it is not good. I remember that. Asteroid field. Yeah, they take the test on 3d6 for asteroid fields. And that's not good. 
because it's not 3d6 pick the highest or you know discard the lowest or whatever it's just 3d6 yep of course that is the only celestial phenomena and we'll talk more about celestial phenomena and battle zones later um where flying into it at top speed has a negative effect interestingly enough you can fly straight into a warp rift at you know half the speed of light and it doesn't care well any more than it would just drifting in yes uh so yeah, so that's all a head full in a nutshell. It's exciting. I use it quite a lot. Um, tactically, this is a great one when you're doing missions like Blockade Run, where you're just trying to haul ass as quickly as possible. Um, it's also a fun trick. You know, if you've got a ship into a tight spot, and you know you thought it was going to be a fair fight, but the enemy has outmaneuvered you, and it's four of his cruisers against your one, you might decide, you know what, I'm just not going to be here anymore, and try and all a head full out of arcs and into freedom. Uh, or, conversely, the enemy thinks he's outmaneuvered you, and suddenly you all ahead full some ships that were way out of the battle sphere, and suddenly he's outnumbered. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of fun things you can do. Uh, although my if you're a White favorite, Scars player, you automatically pass all ahead full, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, because White Scars like going fast. And they have uh, buffs to their ships in general for speed, but we'll get into legions mm-hmm. in a bit. Um, so the next one on our list is come to a new heading. So those burn retro thrusters actual. that oh, were... you're looking at the uh, oh we're looking at two different pages here. Uh, I'm just looking at the book. Thank you very I'm much. I'm looking at the cheat sheet, so it has all ahead full then burn retros right. then come well, to a new heading. Never mind, we'll go by the cheat sheet since Stephen doesn't have the actual rule book in front of him. You heard it. I have it. I just don't have all the too late. We're, is... we're committed. Burn retros. Right. You know what? Here we go. Yeah, burn retros. <laughs> it's so, the opposite. Yeah, it's the opposite of all ahead full. Instead of going real fast, you're going real slow. Uh, and this is important, because in Battlefleet Heresy, it's in space. And unlike a lot of games in space, where if you shut your engine off, you stop, velocity is a thing. Like, yep. It's a These thing in space. Old. You don't stop. You keep going forward at whatever your last speed was, because there's nothing to slow you down. So that's what Burn Retros is for. Slowing down. Um, all ships in Battlefleet Heresy have a minimum speed uh, that they have to go. Right? Uh, it's just sort of like I was saying. It's the basic velocity of the ship without having to redirect engine power into slowing down. You know, firing engines out of the front of your ship to push you backwards. Uh, they're always going to go a certain distance. That's generally half your basic movement speed. So, like a it lunar is, uh, it's ten centimeters. Ten it's centimeters. Just 10 centimeters. Mm-hmm. All right. Which is half for Imperial cruisers. Yeah. That's where I go because I used to play Imperial ships. Uh, so burn retros is how you get around that. It directs the additional energy into those retro thrusters in the front, and again drops your firepower by half. But you don't have to go anywhere. And that's real important, because Battlefleet Heresy is a predictive game, right? You're trying to figure out not only how to get to shoot at where the enemy is now, but to make sure you can shoot at him next turn. And a lot of the times, you know, especially in the early and late stages of a game, you have no shot right now. You're trying to maneuver your ship to get him next turn, right? And then the bastard goes and burn retros on you. And just sort of stops. 
Well, I should say, you never want to come to a full stop. That's true. Mm -hmm. You always want to go at least stationary one Stationary objects are defenses. Yes, stationary objects are defenses on that gunnery table we talked about before. And do you remember me? Like, if you have a vague recollection, you lost about half of whatever your weapons battery number was when you're trying to shoot at things. You lose, like, one if you're shooting at defenses. Mm-hmm. So don't ever be stationary. And that doesn't, like, it doesn't matter what your facing is, anything. Just, just move, yeah, move a there. centimeter. Yeah. Anything. So burn retros is really move at least one centimeter to not get annihilated. Um, they're also, it also uh, counteracts your movement, minimum move to turn. So you can go one centimeter and present your sides for shooting, uh, which is... Generally, when I'm using burn retros, it's to do that sort of trick, um, to just get that tight turn in there. Yep. And, and it bears noting, um, all of these all-ahead full burn retros come to new heading are generally uh, collectively referred to as the navigational orders. They all have your weapons. Um, and you might be thinking, well, a lot of these Battlefleet Gothic games sound like slugfests. I want to be firing all my guns all the time. And you're right. You do, but it's always better to only be able to fire a few guns than to find yourself in a position where you'll get a full broadside from somebody else. Yeah, for the most part, you're trying... Like, It is much better to fire half of your guns and have the enemy fire none of his than for both of you to be blazing away. Like, nine times out of ten, you want to avoid being hit while also doing some damage rather than just go toe-to-toe with somebody. Yeah, it's never... the old adage, we want to kill them while not dying in return. Yeah, because you never know what sort of critical hits going to come by, right? Like, yeah, you could have the advantage and be a little, you know, be that bigger ship or that more intact ship going up against someone who's a little damaged or doesn't have as many guns, and then he gets that first hull point on you, and it's a bulkhead collapse, and suddenly you've taken six points of damage. Oops. Right? It's not... It'll happen, and it's sad. Yep. Um, so burn retros is a perfect way to get around that. Let's just slip around behind somebody. It's exciting. And this is pretty much, you know, again, it's what it sounds like. The ship is, instead of powering the back engines or the front engines, now putting power into those fun engines inside, or, you know, the nozzles on the back are turning, however you want to think about it. Uh, and getting you to put a little more oomph into your Tokyo drifting. Um, this is fun. It's a little problematic for certain ships because you have to go a minimum distance before turning. Uh, escorts have no minimum distance, so they can just do crazy things with come to a new heading. Uh, it's one of my favorite tricks to just turn around with escorts um, and essentially, you know, not move at all tabletop terms, you know, if I got, you know, a 30 centimeter Cobra, I'll go 15 centimeters. I'll do a 180 because I'm doing my first turn of 90 and then come to a new heading, get a second turn, turn again and just go 15 centimeters back. And suddenly I'm turned all the way around, uh, ready to screw some people up, which is very exciting. It's unpleasant when a escort squadron just does a complete 180 
and start shooting you in the yeah. butt with with lasers. Light cruisers can do it too. Uh, the Dauntlesses have a ninety degree turn arc. So I hate the Dauntless so much. Flip around, uh, and if you use Lance Dauntlesses like I like, um, you know that half weapons battery, half Lance strength penalty for come to new heading. You have three, you go down to two. It's not that huge a sacrifice to make to suddenly be in a really weird spot. Mm. That's fantastic. It is a bit of a downer on larger ships. Uh, some battleships, in fact, most battleships, now that I think about it, uh, just straight up can't use come to a new heading. They're too mm -hmm. big. They're too cumbersome. They can't flip around that fast without snapping themselves in half. Yep, um, because even in space... It's yeah, still a problem. Momentum is still a thing, and you still have mass even if you have no weight. They, they traded out maneuvering jets for more guns. Yeah, bigger I'm a guns. Major. Don't ask me to explain the details to you. Also, for oh, some of and the... a, a quick side note, actually, to go yeah. back slightly. All ahead full and burn retros. Um, we get this question frequently when it comes to um, measurements with Battlefleet Gothic. Uh, you measure from the stem of your base. Um, no matter how big your ship is or how small, do not measure from the prow, from the aft, from the command tower. Measure from the stem of the base. That's how far you move. That's how far you can shoot. Those are your things. Yes, the models are pretty representations of what your ships look like zoomed in. They're not to scale. They're not real life. They don't even fill up that whole stem. Uh, they're just sort of, you know, if you wanted to play at true scale... You would have an empty flight scan, flight stand, with like the tiniest little dot of white, or you know whatever the main ship color is, on like the top, and that would be your mm -hmm. ship flying along. But yes, good call. You always measure stem to stem when you're doing things. Mm -hmm. um, let's see where was it going. Oh yeah, come to new heading does have a problem for some of the mid-sized cruisers, especially the imperial ones. Because you still have to go your minimum movement distance before you can turn, which for cruiser class ships are 10, and they only go 20. So the second you run through a blast marker or a dust cloud or anything that screws with your movement, they go 10 centimeters. They can make that first turn like normal, but they can't make the second turn because they can't actually get there. Womp, um, womp. There was a while before, you know... God, before the 2010 FAQ, when there was a thought of, well, can you just turn twice as long as you've gone that first 10? No. Which is sad. Uh, but again, we're playing fan-made rules of a dead game, so if it's more exciting for you to do it that way, feel free. Just remember, if you show up to our events or most events, the 2010 FAQ for the basic rules is the Bible They'll want you to do it that way. Um, anything else you'd like to talk about for Come to New Heading? Come to New Heading. Um, fun stuff? Hmm. Oh, you know, um, there is a way to get yet a third magical turn. And that's if you are in the gravity well of a planet. Uh, that is one way to just completely slingshot around, uh, completely come about and be ready to start fighting again at knife fighting range if you come to new heading within the gravity well of a planet. Which, without getting into too much detail, a planet gives you a free turn as long as you're within a certain distance from it, mm -hmm. as long as it's turning 
towards the planet. So you can be flying towards it under come the new heading. You take your first turn, you keep going. You take your second turn from come the new heading, you keep going, and then you turn around again completely. Now you've done a 180 as a cruiser yeah, using it, the planet's gravity well. It gets pretty wild. Um, and you can do that for, sh for planets. You can do it twice because you can get a 45 turn at the beginning and then again at the end, as long as you're turning towards the planet. Doesn't have to take mm -hmm. that minimum movement I was talking about. Um, and yeah, like Steven said, it can really screw with people because you just don't expect it. Uh, I've seen it happen before. Slingshot around planets like that, which can be fun. Yep. Uh, Got to get those orbital mechanics going right, but you can do some fun stuff with it. Yep, this game's not archaic at all. Nope. Um, but now we'll get to the fun parts. The combat and orders. The combat orders. There's three of them, and most people's favorite is Lock On. It's got that lovely target sight, same as uh, First Fire for Adeptus Titanicus, and it doesn't actually do anything bad, except that you can't turn. So the downside of this most glorious of things is that you're stuck going in a straight line. However, you get to re-roll all of your lances and weapons batteries that miss. Mm -hmm. And that's the individual dice. That's not one of those, you know, one hit, three misses, do I want to re-roll sort of things. No, it's everything. And this is the ship killer order. Because um, again, you know, most of those weapons batteries, yeah, you might get five or six shots, but you need five or sixes to do any damage. With re-rolls, you know, those odds are going up a lot. And lances just 70% of the time you're hitting somebody with them and it sucks. Yep. Yep. Takes lances from being a 50% uh, hull point to roughly 70, 75%. And there are some ships that you absolutely do not want to be in their sights when they're locked on. Uh, it's a death sentence. They're going to fire. Their friends are going to strip your shields first and soften you up. And then they're just going to carve you apart like so much meat yep uh, really the lunar no the gothic whichever one has four lances i continue gothic yeah gothic yeah the gothic is one of them even though you're at 30 centimeters uh it's there it's got four lances they're all locked on you've got no shields you're dead yeah, you're gonna have a um, bad time uh i also really a, hate a murder up close really this whole yep, game a murder up down close to... with can you get within 15 centimeters of your enemy and lock on without him being able to shoot you back? That's yep. that's like the beautiful, mythical place you always want to try and get to in Battlefield yep. Heresy. Because you're and getting that the, good uh, shift and just blowing them away with rerolls. And maybe you are, maybe you know, you're a battleship man like myself. Maybe you just really like battleships. They're cool, right? They're 12 inches long on the table. They're generally made of solid metal. They're huge. Uh, the Desolator is the lance battleship of Battlefleet Heresy. It mounts four lances on each side. But unlike that puny little gothic, which basically has to get into knife fighting range to do it, the Desolator will shoot you and explode you from its front porch two continents away. Yeah, it's a bad time. It's a bad time. Mm -hmm. Or the uh, let's let's take the battle barge, right? So let me let me just spell it out. We'll do a little bit of math here to show you what we're talking about. So if a battle barge is thirty centimeters away from another cruiser, uh, and let's say the cruiser is moving, that's away, roughly a foot, by the way, about a foot. 
And let's say that cruiser's moving away. It's got 12 weapons batteries, which means it's going to get six shots. Uh, let's say so it's going to be hitting on fives, because every cruiser I can think of has a rear armor of five. Mm-hmm. So it'll have five shots, or I'm sorry, uh, six shots hitting on fives, and then the bombardment cannon, four shots, also hitting on fives. So that's what, two, three hits? Probably two hits with the... Uh, the weapons batteries to drop the shields, and then two hits with the bombardment cannon because they always hit on fours. It sucks. It's not the end of the world. Now, if you're locked on and you're getting within 15 centimeters, suddenly that ship is taking eight weapons battery shots, hitting on fives with a reroll, and that, like, that's not healthy, right? That's, that is painful. That is not a place to be. So that's yeah. it's a it's a little over two and a half hits at that point, but you get the rerolls, so you know that's not great. I don't want to say five because that's not how math works, but what? right. <laughs> You're looking yeah. at about five hits total instead of the two you were getting before. And then the eight uh, bombardment cannon, six shots, you're hitting with three, and then hitting with another one on top of it. Like, suddenly you've gone from hurting a ship, it's not a real big deal, to crippling it. Just by locking on and being a little closer. It's real good, ladies and gentlemen. It's real good. Yeah. Lock-on is what you go on when you want to kill that ship. Or, more accurately, when you need to kill a ship. Because, yes. like Austin said, the the promised land, the land of milk and honey and plasma guns and mass drivers, is a beam or closing 15 centimeters locked on. Well, 15 well, centimeters, because a beam is a terrible place to be. Yes, um, but... But yeah, um, you want to be right up in their face, blowing them But if you're right up in their face, they are also right up in yours. Yes. Uh, and if you don't kill them, or even if you don't even cripple them, they are going to ruin lucky. you in return. Yep. Now there Assuming is... Assuming you don't make them brace. Now, I, I kind of skipped over the downside of lock-on, which is that you can't turn. And you might be thinking, but Austin, Steven, that's not that big a deal. You're locked on. You're just going to rain death however you want. If that's your opinion, you're a rating now and you'll stay a rating forever. But we'll help you. <laughs> yeah, except that this is a game about maneuver. And there have been many times where I or my opponent have locked on to somebody in the hopes that, you know, they were going to be in range or that I was going to be in arc and you go that minimum movement, and suddenly you realize that what you thought was going to be a capital ship closing is now a capital ship a beam, or what you thought was going to be in 30 centimeters is actually 32, and you have no five shots at all, and you couldn't turn, and now you're just begging for death. So while lock-on is certainly the most powerful of the orders that we talked about, uh, has a definite downside. And mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like much, especially to people who haven't played a lot of games, but as you start realizing what a big deal maneuver is, 
you realize that sometimes it's better to not fire quite as devastating a broadside and still be able to move. Um, and that's also because BFG rarely has an end state. So for those of you that play a lot of 30k or Adeptus Titanicus, you're used to a game lasting, you know, somewhere between four and six turns. You'll either know exactly how long it goes or know that, hey, at the end of turn four, it's going to be random and these are my odds and what am I doing? Not so with 90% of Battlefleet Heresy missions. Um, generally, they last until one fleet has disengaged or is destroyed. And that's not Which can quite be as, a long time. Yeah, it's not quite as war to the knife as that sounds, but what it does mean is that there's less downside in taking a turn or two and getting into the best position, right? Like in Titanicus, you know, you got four or five turns, you want to be shooting for, you know, three or four turns. Minimum. If you're not, something has gone really wrong, or there's some other pressing, pressing need for you to not be shooting. Uh, in Battlefleet Heresy, if a ship is shooting two turns out of three, I consider that a win. And I've had ships that are, you know, had targets for less than half the game and been pleased with how they perform. Because when you have, you know, ten turns, doesn't matter quite as much if uh, you miss a couple of turns as long as it's where you want to be. Yep, every turn will matter eventually. Yep. And it bears noting for lock-on that uh, the rerolls only apply to lances and wep weapons that use the gunnery table. Uh, ordnance, such as torpedoes, does not get the benefit. It does not. So, Stephen, you've been locked on by uh, by Oberon-class battleships on a doll in 15 centimeters. Oh, no. Oh, no. Four cruiser has no shields. What do you do? I'm going to brace for impact. Yeah, you are. I wish we had a little uh, a little melody to put there. Brace for impact. Ba -dun, dun, dun, dun. Dun. There we go. You heard it here first. This is what happens when uh, Jesse's not around to provide us tech support. Um, Brace for Impact is unique. It's the one order that you can always go on, right? Um, and it's one that you're not normally doing in the orders slash, you know, in the orders phase. Uh, what you're doing is this is when you know the bad time is coming. Um, you take it right before dice are rolled to do damage on you. All right? And this is the captain, you know, hitting that big button that makes all the klaxons wail and turn red lights. Uh, People are dropping their tools, grabbing onto, oh shit, bars, getting yeah. into bulkheads. Close all the bulkhead doors, tie yourself down if you can be tied down to somewhere, pray to the dark gods and or the imperial truth that you will hold fast. And shit goes flying everywhere. Uh, so, anytime a ship is about to take damage, but before the dice are rolled. Alright? So this is interesting. Because it can really make you feel bad. So let's say, you know, my Oberon, the Sonadol, has locked on to Steven's pathetic sticks, which always ends up on the bad side of somebody. And Steven goes, oh shit. 
I've done the math in my head, and this is going to hurt a lot. Brace for impact. And I do eight points of damage. That would utterly annihilate his cruiser. However, with Brace for Impact, he gets a four-up save against all hits. Yay! It's great. And it lasts for the rest of the turn. Boo! And into your next turn. So into Steven's next turn in this instance. Uh, And weapons, just like the maneuverable, the navigational orders, have firepower, half lance strength. Because... You've turned on, you know, you've you've sent the the macro magazines back down into the hole rather than laying on the deck about to be wrenched into your guns. You know, you've put all of the friggin switches have been flipped to make sure that when any sort of damage comes through, it will do as little damage as possible. Yep. Only 5000 men will die as opposed to 50,000. Yep. It's fun. Uh, The one. So the good thing about doing it whenever you're about to take damage is two things. One, you don't have to guess if you're going to take a pounding. Like, if you sail your ship into a middle of four enemy ships, you can lock on and do it. This is also the only order you can do while on other orders, right? So let's say I lock on with my battleship, I sail into the middle of the fleet, I murder Steven Sticks, and then kind of look around and realize that three other battleships have now surrounded my Oberon. When the first one fires, I can say, you know what? I'm going to brace for impact. Lock-on order goes away, brace for impact comes on, and I take my punishment. Uh, The other fun thing is, so say I fail leadership on that first ship that comes in to whale on me. And I don't brace for impact. Well, that sucks, and I take some damage. And then the next ship fires. I can try to brace for impact again, which is handy. So that's yep. the good if, thing. The bad if thing you're the is, Iron Hands as well, you get to reroll that first round of uh, of shooting after bracing for impact. Ah, uh, yeah. And Maybe if you are a Death Guard, you don't have to do a command check to brace for impact. You just do it, or you automatically pass it. Yep. Yep. Some durable legions out there. Yeah, God, my my wife has a Death Guard fleet, and it is real annoying. Um, But there is one catch, and that catch is, so when the ship decides to shoot at you, or you've successfully managed to ram an enemy ship, or, you know, the torpedoes have hit your base, that's when you decide to brace. So if those six torpedoes are coming at you, and you brace, you have your turret value along with all your other weapons, so you fire your one turret, and you miss with everything. Because such is your life. And the six, the guy rolls six torpedo hits, and all of them miss. Oops. And the torpedoes just sail on into the night, and you're still braced for impact. And that always sucks. <laughs> yeah, and that uh-huh. being said, uh, when you roll up on someone, and your guns are charged, and you're ready to roll... Um, the objective isn't always to kill them or to cripple them. Sometimes the objective is to force them to brace, because then, at least for a turn, it's like being crippled. Yeah. Yeah. The One of the big things when you're shooting somebody is to try and, like, if they've braced, that's, you know, war's half won. Once the enemy yep. starts bracing for impact. 
Cause Especially if they're a carrier, because then they won't be reloading. Oh, but we'll yeah. get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, actually, I think we can get to that right now. Brace for impact, pretty self-explanatory, I think. And most of these orders are. Yeah. Weapons are half um, effect. You get a four-up save against any sort of damage. Uh, yeah. You have to pick the second you're about to take damage, but before dice get rolled. And this is and it's yeah. also fun, right? So you've you've done the math, right? My Oberon is about to murder Steven Sticks. And I say, Steven, I did the math. And uh, you're going to take eight weapons batteries and four lances. What you going to do, buddy? And you can just see the despair in your opponent's eyes. And they're like, ah, brace. Brace, fuck. Yep. And sometimes, even though, even when you do take that many hits, bracing still might not save you. Yeah, there have been times when I braced thinking that, well, you know, just to be safe, I'll brace for impact. Taken eight points of damage, saved none of them, and died anyway. Yep. The dice gods are fickle. The, the fifth chaos god rules all. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, I guess that's all for Brace for Impact. Um, yeah, which brings us to the special one. Uh, well, not the most another special, special, but one. another special order. Uh, the one that's crucial for carriers, uh, torpedo ships, and anything with a Nova Cannon. It's reloading ordnance. Well, some things with the Nova Cannon. Puppy. Uh, what? So yeah. No, Hammy, go away. Get <laughs> get down. <sighs> the dog. It's Silly a warped beast. That's all right. My, my golden retriever is currently sitting by my back door, whining to go outside, even though she was just outside and just wanted to come inside because it's wet and it's still wet. And now she's looking at me like, how dare you talk to me online? <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, reload ordinance. So this is... Again, just like it sounds, it's putting torpedoes back in the tubes. It's getting that second squadron of fighters prepped and ready to launch. Uh, and it's another one that has no downside. Well, actually, it's the only one that has no downside completely. You can still do yeah. your normal turns. Your speed is unaffected. Your weapons still have full effect. Um, it's just an all-around good thing. The downside being, of course, if you're reloading ordnance, you're not locking on or all that full or whatever. Yep. This um, is required to fire torpedoes, launch uh, launch planes, more than... Hammy, stop it. Um, yep, you do start with everything fully loaded. We should preface with that. So you yes. always get one volley of torpedoes and one wave of attack craft uh, before things get to the reload ordinance time. Uh, and then if you're using the rules where Nova Cannon have to reload ordinance between each shot, obviously that'll fix your Nova Cannon as well. Um, the thing is, if you happen to roll doubles while reloading ordnance, success or fail, you can't roll for ordnance again. You run out. You run out. There's been a malfunction in the tubes. There just aren't any more torpedoes left in the magazine. Whatever. There's no um, more planes left to launch. Yeah, They're all no, dead. No more planes. Uh, whole bunch of stuff. Now, if you play some of the experimental rules for attack craft, that'll change. Like the the version we like to use, and we're going to have an episode about this at some point, I promise. Um, you only have a certain number of attack craft to start with, so the reload ordinance doubles doesn't affect them because attack craft losses and all that are being calculated through some other mechanic. But 
again, 2010 FAQ, the way the basic kind of game works. Reload ordnance to put people back in fighters and fighters on launch bays and torpedoes and tubes on doubles. That can't happen anymore. So if you fail on doubles, you're SOL'd. If you succeed on doubles, you have that one last sort of launch to go. Um, oh, also it works for both. So if you've got like a dictator, which has both torpedoes and attack craft, it's one leadership check, reloads both, which mm-hmm. is fun. I think the one that I... so. And it's tricky, right? So you've got like a dictator or some of the other carriers. Once you're close enough to actually start fighting people with guns, you know, maybe you have to brace for impact or lock on, or maybe you need to do one of the navigational orders. And that's where things get dicey because, all right, well, do I want to take this damage from brace for impact or do I want to reload and get another wave of attack craft launched or reload and, you know, smack them with torpedoes where they can't possibly dodge. So thank you. It's true. <clears throat> yeah, free reloading ordnance is um, is the important one. And like I said, sometimes you want to roll up on a carrier and just be as scary as you possibly can, because you know if you can force them to brace, then they cannot reload. And that, like, that, it cripples a carrier, essentially. Because mm-hmm. carriers don't have the same kind of weaponry. Like, yeah. all of their damage output is in their bombers and their fighters and their attack craft. Yep, same thing with escort squadrons. If you can get, like, a, a pack of Cobras to brace, they're worthless. Because they've got, like, one weapons battery apiece, which isn't going to amount to anything. You know, they're all yep. about firing those torpedoes. Um, and then the line, kind of line Imperial ships, like the Gothic, the Lunar, uh, the Conqueror pattern for us. Once you fired those torpedoes, a lot of times you don't want to reload them because you're just doing so many other things, right? Yep. Um, there are times, I, I would say that for my Lunar and Gothic combination, I reload ordnance two, maybe three times in a 10 turn game. Uh, you know, kind of first turn, fire torpedoes just to make the other guy blink, uh, then that first pass, fire torpedoes, and then maybe late game when a ship just doesn't have anything to shoot at and uh, it's not critical to come to a new heading or burn retros. Sometimes I'll reload ordnance, save it for another go. Yep. Yeah. Got any now, there are some homebrew special orders um which i don't know enough about them to really talk about them but if you do want to go down the rabbit hole and find some other ones you can find them i believe in warp rift number 33 has some additional uh special orders and it's things like barrel rolls and some sort of maneuver that i can't remember but it's essentially tokyo drifting and then just broadsiding as you go by (laughs) yeah Yeah, there's some neat stuff there's some craziness i've also if you're you know, thinking to yourself, well, why the hell does Reload Ordnance take precedence over a lot of these other ones? Surely the torpedo crew doesn't care if the ship is locked on or not. Like, they're still hauling torpedoes or the flight mechanic or whatever. Um, I have seen where people will play Reload Ordnance 
as an additional order you can do because it doesn't you know it doesn't mess with your turns or weapons or anything. Um, so unless you're braced for impact, you can also reload ordnance. I've never played with it that way myself. I know some people that have. They enjoy themselves. You know, never let me say don't do this because again, we're a fan-made version of a dead rule set. Um, but that 2010 FAQ, one order at a time. You do all of them with brace for impact in the order's phase. All ahead full. That goes right away. Everything else kind of when it occurs. And uh, I think that's all I got for orders. You got anything else, Stephen? Yes. Uh, there is a, a strategy to orders a little bit. It's not simply pick what seems best for a given time. Uh, even within the, the orders phase, there's a, there's a, a little meta to, to pay attention to. Because again, we talked about ship leadership and how that can be affected by various things. Uh, last episode, we talked about uh, the bridge smashed critical hit, which reduces your uh, leadership by three. So if you are a relatively seasoned crew, say you're the mathematical average in leadership seven, and you suffer that, uh, you suffer that bridge smashed, now you are leadership four. And you think, okay, well, that just makes it hard to pass orders. That's not like, it's not a, it's not the end of the world. You're wrong. It is the end of the world. Because in the command phase, orders phase, when you fail a leader, when you fail a command check to go on to a special order, that's it. No more orders. Command has broken down. Nobody knows what's happening. It's Everyone's got to figure it out for themselves for a turn. Uh, similar to Titanicus, if you play Titanicus. So, in general, you want to go from your highest leadership, usually your flagship, down to your lowest to minimize the risk of failing that command check and then, you know, screwing the rest of your fleet out of, uh, out of special orders. But sometimes, every once in a while, uh, your opponent will outmaneuver you and get the drop on you. And you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that before anything else has to happen, that one ship has to pass one specific order. Well, as it just so happens, that ship doesn't have fantastic leadership. It never does in that situation. It never does. Yep. Yep. So you can, and you, now you kind of have to start doing a little bit of math in your head. You think to yourself, well, the my flagship is mathematically more likely to pass its command checks, and there's two other ships ahead of it that have better leadership that are mathematically more likely to pass their command checks. But that's three other ships that will risk screwing it up for this one. But if this one fails it, not only is it dead, or it's you know in real big trouble, but all of the other ships with higher leadership have now been uh, tricked and, uh, and cheated out of their orders. Yeah. Now, there is one thing, actually, that we also forgot to mention that will help with this problem. And that oh, yes, command comes from your admirals. Because this, the orders are, yes, your captains delivering commands to the ship's crew, but these are all things that are generally coming from the admiral, right? The commander of the fleet is saying, you, I want you to murder that ship, lock on and murder it. Or, hey, you, you need to get 
way the hell over there, right the hell now. And the captain orders all ahead full. Uh, then there are leadership rerolls, which are exciting. Um, most admirals start with one. In one-off games, you can buy additional rerolls, and they're kind of pricey. Um, 25 points each. 25 points each, and you can get a maximum of three. As I'm like flipping through my book frantically so I can actually read this thing off for you guys. Um, yeah, so that's... Look at me remembering my rules. And what these... These do exactly what they sound like. You can do a re-roll for anything, orders-wise. Um, so it's actually three additional re-rolls. So max out uh, with four re-rolls for, for our standard fleets. There's some stuff that messes with you know, who gets re-rolls and who can use them, but that's another, another day. Um, your Admiral will always have one, and then you can buy up to three more. And it's not 25 apiece. It's, what is it, logarithmic? I forget. The first one is 25 points. Two extra rerolls is 75. Three extra rerolls is 150. So it gets expensive. Three extra rerolls is basically a cruiser. But sometimes it's worth it, right? Sometimes right. that leadership five ship really needs to pass that order. Suddenly with a reroll, it's kind of doable. Or your flagship at leadership 10. First off the mark, you're about to you want to lock on with like four ships in your fleet. So you start with your best leadership, and it screws the pooch. Oops. All right, we'll just re-roll that leadership ten. That's not so bad. And then you can go about your day. Um, like all GW games, you can't re-roll a re-roll. So even if you have two, you screwed up. That suck it. Um, but you can use multiples in the same turn. So that first ship fails, you use the re-roll, it succeeds. Second ship fails, use the reroll, succeeds. That's okay. Um, and honestly, I'm not 100% sure where this fits in from a fluff perspective. I assume it's just saying, hey, you know, your Admiral is has a good, you know, is real good as working job. relationship with the various ships under his command. Maybe they've got a specific laser line communication that's more efficient than most ships have and every ship in the fleet has it not 100% sure but you know, think of it what you will it could just be that your admiral is really good at yelling over the box so you don't want to sometimes that's all it takes sometimes that's all it takes so yeah now I think we've, we've covered yeah, everything now I think we've gone over everything leadership and orders counting um, yeah, who knows what we'll be talking about next time. Yep, uh, we are... What are you excited? Yeah, with NurgleCon in full swing and Asa and I having nothing to do but record, uh, there's just... We're flying by the seat of our pants. It's the Wild West out here. Who knows? We might do another episode on special orders just for fun. Uncharted space. Yep. <laughs> who knows? But, as always, we will see you next week if uh, the Emperor is willing and the warp doesn't rise. Mm. So until then, good hunting, everybody. Good hunting.